All right. So thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the CEO Mindset Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with a new friend, Miss Amanda Rush. And I was attracted to her primarily for selfish reasons. Now, I, I met her inside of a podcast group on Facebook, but I really enjoyed her information about being a virtual assistant and the fact that I am in need of help in this area. So I'm just like so excited to hear what she has to say, because when it comes to being the CEO of you, it's important for you to be organized, kind of know how you plug in so that when you get a virtual assistant or when you're working with some sort of a um, uh, team member that you bring on, you need to be able to tell them how to do what you need them to do. You have to be able to onboard them properly, but I'm sure Amanda's going to get into all of that and we don't have to worry about it. So Welcome back to the CEO Mindset Podcast. I'm Andrea Patrick, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me today. Subscribe if a CEO mindset is something you want to obtain and you want to find the intersection where your work and life coexist. The sky is the limit when you're clear about your value, consistent in the way you share said value, and you're upfront and honest about who you are while sharing it. There are so many examples to follow and learn from. Let's get into today's, shall we? Amanda Rush Holmes is the CEO and founder of the Virtual Assistant Studio, a virtual assistance agency for influencers. She's a Southern mama, podcaster, educator, and marketing enthusiast. When she's not giving horsey back rides or building rocket ships with her three-year-old, you can bet she's cracking open that laptop to pump up her team, touch base with clients, attend quick strategy calls, or deliver amazing content to help support mamas like you. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Help me welcome Miss Amanda Rush. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, my dear. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many kind words out of your mouth. Thank you for having me. And you could not have said it better. Yes, yes, and yes to all of the things that you've talked about in terms of just onboarding and being prepared, but also even like getting to a point where you're able to hire somebody like that in Absolutely. itself is a milestone. So yes, we can dive into all of it today. Yes, I'm so excited because I think people get, this has nothing to do with the questions that I'm asking you, but I think people get bogged down with the, like, when do I hire a virtual assistant? What do I give this person to do? How do I know that it's, you know, it's time. And so I'm excited to dive into that with you. But before we get into that, everybody just heard your bio. So in addition to what I just said, they already know how amazing you are and amazing your company is. Tell us a little bit of something that maybe would be a surprise that was not in your bio. Oh my gosh. That is a hard question because I feel <laughs> like naturally I'm a pretty open book when it comes to like what's happening and what we're doing and what we're up to. But I think something that is maybe a little more personal about me that a lot of people don't know is that I started the business three years ago, almost three years ago, which is not that long if you really think about it. And I had no intention of starting the business. Like it was a happy fluke. And I don't think a lot of people know that. They would wow. think like this was intentional. This was strategic. This person planned this. I genuinely thought that like the word entrepreneur meant that you were unemployed. And that was a fancy <laughs> way of saying that. And I was very much the nine to five 
corporate person. I was a happy soldier and I did my job well. And it really wasn't until around 2020 and a little bit before that, that I was even thinking of possibly dabbling into the online business world in itself. So I think that shocks a lot of people if they were to find out about that because they're like, wait a second, what do you mean? Like you had no intention of starting a business and the whole journey, if I walk you through it, I mean, I became a virtual assistant, which is amazing. And I love my job. But I also built out the agency, had no intention of doing that when I became a virtual assistant, didn't even know what the word agency meant, didn't know (laughs) what that involved. And so it all just kind of snowballed a little bit. I'm glad to hear that. And I think people listening are going to be happy to hear that too, because I think sometimes people feel it's so much more involved, right? They think that you have to be born with this this feeling of entrepreneurship and that there has to be this burning desire to make money and not work for someone. And oftentimes the best businesses, at least from what I've seen and clients that I've had, stem from just a natural progression of a love of doing something, an ability to do something. And it was really by happenstance that it became successful because it was so natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You find that? Absolutely. And I think that's true for a lot of people, even in our space, the clients that we work with, they, a lot of them had no intention of ever building a business. They were just sharing what they loved and what, like you said, what felt natural to them. And then the money started flowing in and they were like, wait a second, hold on. I think I'm onto something here. Like this (laughs) is a business because we're making money at this point. Exactly, exactly. So with that in mind, um, and all of the greatness that you do, and I know I think we spoke when the first time we spoke, I told you I probably need you. I don't probably need you. I do need you. So um, so eventually we'll get to that part. But teaching others to go after their dreams is fulfilling. I'm absolutely sure about that. I help people as well. But what are some of the, the mistakes that you see these new business owners or newbies making? And as someone who does this for a living and, and knows kind of where the um, the pitfalls are and the bottlenecks are, what is some advice that you can give us so that we maybe don't make those mistakes so much? Ugh, so many good questions. Okay. Let's start with somebody that's just getting started and they might feel a little bit lost. And I think this is happens to all of us, whether you're just getting started or you're like five years in. I mean, there are moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Am I doing this right? Like you second guess yourself. And it just, that's part of the cycle of entrepreneurship. So okaying those feelings, but then putting them over here and saying, okay, I have those feelings, but we have to move on from the feelings. I think the biggest thing that I see most new entrepreneurs do is they have what I like to call shiny object syndrome, which Mm. means they are focusing a lot of times on things that are not necessarily revenue generating. And I think this comes from being in the corporate world. I love to be able to tie an action to a result. And I think this is especially important in those early days of your business because you probably have a lot more time than you do money at this point. So you have to decide how can I spend my time most effectively to generate said revenue so that once you have the revenue, you can invest in some of those shiny object things. And so I know I used to hear similar advice to this and it would always frustrate me because I'd be like, but what are the shiny object things? And those are typically things that you can't tie a direct result to. So something like focusing on your branding while branding is important and you need brand colors, 
your brand colors are not going to make you money. So pick some brand colors and move on. You don't need to spend a month on your logo. Like, I'm just going to like lay it out flat Correct. for you. <laughs> I agree. So things like that, where it's like, okay, what, who do you serve and how do you help them? If you can articulate that clearly, I serve blank and I help them do blank. Start with that statement and then really dive deep into that and think, okay, where is that person? How can I go out and find them? How do I get in front of them? And you might have to be a little creative and a little scrappy here because you likely aren't going to have the fancy website and the large social media following and all these things that a more established business has had because they've been working towards that for five or 10 years. And then decide, okay, now that I'm in front of them, how am I going to provide the best possible experience, whether you're selling them a service or a product or whatever that looks like? Because if you can do that with like, let's say one, two, even three people, they will tell their friends if you do a good job. Yes. And that is how the business is built right there. And I then- you have the revenue flowing. You use your profit to reinvest back into your business, into those shiny object things like a rebrand and a fancy website and maybe a social media manager and all those other things. I think, so first of all, I, the, the biggest thing that you said in that statement that I have to say I struggled with when I first started and to some degree, I still kind of struggle with it, but I'm working on it. 2023 is my year is the idea of tying your actions to the revenue. Like I said this in earlier podcasts this year that I failed to do something last year to reach one of my goals. And the reason was because I was not tying my daily actions to the outcome. I was not making sure that the things that I was doing was tethered to the goal that I had to into to achieving that goal. And therefore it was not revenue generating. In addition to all the other revenue generating things that I needed to be doing, specifically this one goal, I was not doing what I was supposed to do last year. So like you said, it was shiny object syndrome. I was like, oh, I need to make sure that all of this administrative stuff is taken care of so that when the money starts coming in, this thing is gonna happen. But I wasn't concentrating on actually getting the money to come in. I was preparing you know, for the money to come in, but I was not actively working on making sure money was coming in. And so this is a very important lesson for people to learn. I don't think you could have said anything better or more important than that, because you're right. We all get, not all, but a lot of us starting out, get hung up on making things aesthetically pleasing, but we're not making it revenue producing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. And I think it's easy because sometimes those revenue generating tasks, you're not like, it's not like you do one thing and then, oh, money appears in your account. Like it's, you're playing the long game. Yes. And so that can be difficult. Like, let's say you're working on launching a course, for instance. Okay. So, I, I am. I, I am. Okay. Amazing. So <laughs> A lot of times when we're launching a course, this is a great example. We're like, okay, we have to create the modules. We have to make sure the sales funnels up. We got to get the emails. We need the sales page. We need the landing pages. We need the platform. We need the free lead map. Like you need a hundred different things. And it's like, okay, but what do I really need in order to make this successful? I need students in the course. So like, what's something that I can do to get students in my course? Maybe instead of like building the entire course out, I can pre-sell the course. So I say, okay, I know that I'm going to help 
this person solve this problem with my course. So I'm going to get in front of them and I'm going to say, listen, I have all this content inside my brain. If you want access to this content, you can purchase it right now for a discounted price. I like to call this like a beta launch. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And you can buy this and then boom, they buy it. You have money and now you can take that money and go build out said course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then just like drip them the content. And mm -hmm. like, this is one example of like a thousand other things where you can do very similar like yeah. structures in the online business world. But like, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it a little bit, you know? We do. And the other thing I think we do, because that's what I did too. And it took me, I have probably, don't laugh, but I probably have four or five courses under my belt that I have written. And that's it amazing. wasn't until, hold on, <laughs> but it wasn't until um, last year, no, 2020, 2020, when I realized the whole idea of the beta concept and, and, and I had tested it with other people, but what you just said, like charging people for the beta and then dripping the content, like building it out as you go, getting the feedback as you go, but having had people pay for it, that just don't, I mean, that just came to me. Like I learned that in a course myself in 2020. And so it is, it's so easy to get wrapped up, like you said, because that's what I did. That's why I have four courses. If you need a course written, I could teach you how to write a course. Like that is so easy. I can do that so easily. The launching of it, though, is something that I had to learn how to do because I was making those mistakes. So now I have all these programs that I can launch because now I know the process. But like I didn't before. So that's important. I think the other thing that the reason that people get hung up in the weeds, like you said, and they're looking at the shiny objects is fear because they're afraid to launch. They're afraid of the failure. They're afraid that it's either not going to be good or it's going to be too good and they're not going to be ready or something. There is a fear there that is preventing them and causing them to procrastinate. And that was also an issue that I had. So I am very familiar with that. And I recognize that in other people because you hear other people telling you how awesome you are. You see all of the success that people are having based on the things that you're saying, but you still have imposter syndrome. And you think, oh, they're just saying that because they're my friends. Oh, they're just saying that because I they know me from chamber or you know whatever. And so that is another reason. And we don't need that to be the case. We need to learn from that. Learn from what Amanda's saying. Get rid of the shiny objects. Stop procrastinating. Don't be afraid. And, and just get out there and get the work done. I love that you said fear holds so many people back. It held me back for like a really long time. I remember I chat with my husband about all the things, God bless him. And, <laughs> and then I remember one time I was like telling him about, about the course and he was like, I cannot listen to you talk about this anymore. He's like, you either have to launch this or like you have to stop talking to me about this because <laughs> I can't do it anymore. And it was like that kick in the pants that I needed to be like, you're right. Like, I don't know why I'm waiting. And then I finally was like, okay, today's the day. I'm launching it. It's happening. And it went great. Like, I don't know what I was afraid of, you know? So, I mean, we're definitely not alone in that. And that, I feel like, pops up. It rears its ugly head it does. throughout all of entrepreneurship. Like it doesn't go away. I still sometimes get nervous. Like when I like send an email to a client, I'm like, oh no, are they going to be mad at me? Are they going to fire me? Like I do. I do too. I mean, even with, um, like I'm talking about the launch that I'm doing now, it's like a fear that, okay, is this, does this really work? Were they, 
when I did this beta, were they really being honest, you know, you know, or even with pricing, is this too much? Should I charge, you know, is this too little? Is this, so we, we always second guess ourselves as entrepreneurs, but I think what makes us entrepreneurs and what makes us successful entrepreneurs is the, is taking the risk and doing it and recognizing that's why I call my podcast the CEO mindset podcast, because we do have to be open to those failures because that's how we learn. Totally. If we don't fail, then we don't know how, like, we're going to get up and do it differently the next time if we don't have, like, that first attempt at bailing. I mean, at learning. That's what my, um, I did a podcast and one of my cousins said failure is just the first attempt in learning. And I love that. Um, and I also say when you fail, you inform your next attempt. We that's get, amazing. I love that get, so much. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Like, I, that's what I say. I mess up. But now I know what not to do the next time. So that informed my next attempt. Don't do that thing. Let's try a different thing. So that's what I say. So we can talk. We can talk about this all day. I told you sometimes I get down in the weeds. Amanda, you have to stop me. I will will get in there. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, a little bit more about your services because A, everyone doesn't know what a virtual assistant is and does. And B, you also have an agency component to your business. And so Tell us a little bit about that and what would constitute someone's need for your services. Yeah. Oh, so many good questions. Okay. What is a virtual assistant? So that is basically, typically in an online business, your right-hand person that you can rely on. They work completely remote. So you don't have to worry about investing in like, you know, office space, um, office space, (laughs) taxes, like bringing this person on as an employee, like all those things that are scary and expensive. And you have to probably Google to figure out how to do. You don't have to do any of that. You can literally just hire them on and pay them for the work that they do. Typically you're paying them an hourly rate or set price for a specific number of deliverables every month. And this is really lucrative for small, quote unquote, small businesses who just need some support. Like there's not enough hours in the day, you know, either you need to get some of your time back so you can focus on those revenue generating tasks, or you want to be growing the business, but you can't because you're literally doing all the things. And so if you had your virtual assistant do some of these other things, it would help push the business forward. So you're usually in one of those two boats or you're in both of the boats and you need that level of support. And Our agency specifically, we are highly skilled virtual assistants and we specialize in marketing tasks. So you're going to find that there's all different types of virtual assistants. There's virtual assistants for podcasts and Pinterest and admin and systems and funnels and like websites and literally anything that you could possibly imagine you need help with. There's probably a virtual assistant. Um, We focus on the marketing tasks because, well, one, they're really fun, but we recognize (laughs) that this is typically where business owners need a lot of support because as you know, there's a lot to market and there's a lot Mm -hmm. that goes into it. So from writing SEO optimized blog posts to creating really great emails that convert social media management, managing your podcast, managing your Pinterest, like all of these things that help fuel the fire that like literally one person cannot do all of these things. Well, that's what we take on. So we like to tell our clients, like you focus on creating the content and we will sprinkle it across the internet so that you can get eyeballs on said content. And that's kind of where we shine. Nice. Awesome. That, and this is so important because as I'm working with small businesses and talking to them about how to really be more authentic in their business and be able to communicate effectively to someone like you, because I mean, and you can talk to this point as well, because 
I really want you to emphasize this point. So you tell me if you agree, if you don't agree. But it's very difficult, in my opinion, to, because I'm also in the marketing space, it's very difficult to take on someone who does not have a clear idea of what it is they're trying to say to their audience and how they connect to the issues they're trying to solve. Because ultimately, even if someone else is doing your marketing, they need to be doing it in your voice. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not coming across authentically and the, the client that you're trying to reach is not able to connect with you. Like, so even when you are working with clients and you're doing their Pinterest or you're, you know, you're writing their blog posts, agree or disagree, it needs to be in your client's voice. You need to understand this person's voice. Is that right or no? Absolutely, 110%. I think that really comes down to the business owner being clear about their mission and their goals. What mm -hmm. are we trying to accomplish? And it can it doesn't have to be like this fancy, complicated mission statement with like right, elaborate right. language. I'm talking about like, here's who we help and here's how we help them. And here's our ideal audience. So like, let's say your ideal audience, they're moms, millennial moms to be mm -hmm. specific. Okay, we help millennial moms do blank. And this is the type of person that they are. This is where they hang out and where they like to shop and what they do and how they consume our content. And this is the language in which our business uses to communicate mm. with them. Um, and it's also about having like really clear expectations. So when you're ready to outsource, you have to own the fact that like, okay, I understand that I'm investing in this person, but they're also reinvesting back in me. And so it's your job as the business owner to communicate what it is that you expect and what you need from them. If you leave it up to a random person chances are the relationship, I mean, it may or may not go well. I like to think we will know how to take the reins <laughs> in our agency. However, there have been plenty of clients where I'm like, you know what, this isn't a good fit because we don't know how to help you. Like they weren't mm -hmm. able to say, I need five emails a month. I need two blog posts a month. I need you to manage my Pinterest. I need this amount of videos to go out. Like they were just like, we need to do something. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, but what are right. we doing here? So that, I think that's really crucial too. And it doesn't have to be like a ginormous systemized right. situation. Right, right, right. It could literally just be like you writing down in a Google doc, hey, every week I need these 10 things to happen. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. But it's in the reason I think that people, I think people are so unfamiliar, small businesses. I mean, larger companies have staff and all that. But when it comes to a smaller business who is in need of a virtual assistant or a marketing professional at, at all, there's um, a lack of education as it relates to the real, the realness of marketing and like all that goes into it. And so I think we, we run into, I don't know if you do, but I run into clients who think, oh, okay, so you, you're going to do my social media. Okay. All right. Well then all right, well, just, I want three posts a week and that's it. And it's like, okay, but whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what are you, how are you providing the content, right? Because I don't know what, like, what are we doing? Like, what is the content supposed to be? You're a, you're an XYZ company and you sell these widgets, but okay, how do you want me to share these widgets with people? Like, what are you, if you can't give that type of information, it's going to be difficult for people to help you. But even more than that, how do you relate to 
your business? How do you relate to the problem you're trying to solve? I like to talk to people, especially as I'm doing more of the authenticity coaching and personal branding coaching. Um, it's to me, I'm trying to talk to people about how, where was your journey in this and how can you pull out pieces of your experiences, your perceptions, your passion? How can you pull that out in your marketing so that the person that's receiving that can say, oh, wow, they understand me. They know what I'm going through. I want to see and learn more about this person because ultimately, in my opinion, marketing is about two entities building a relationship joining together and understanding one another. And that can't be done if you don't understand yourself or how you are going to connect and build a relationship with your audience. Because it's like you and I, we met, I didn't know you before I met you, right? We had to have a conversation and we had to land on some commonalities to determine whether or not we could continue with the second conversation. Mm -hmm. And thank God we were able to have not only a conversation, but a podcast interview. But that's, to me, what marketing looks like in terms of the personal branding aspect of it and the strategy of it. And that's more what I deal with. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain it like a relationship, but I don't think that could be any more accurate because you're right. And I think typically if you look at brands that do this really well, or even personal brands, like people mm -hmm. who do this really mm -hmm. well, they're building that point of connection to where you're right. The person on the other side of the screen is like, oh, I like, we're the same. Like mm -hmm. we're not the same, but we're the same. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we've got, we struggled in the same way. We've gone through the same thing. Maybe we share a, a shared opinion on something or perspective. And I think that a lot of times in this online space, people want to delegate everything. They're mm -hmm. like, just get it off my plate. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do it. And you do have to put in the effort, like to a certain extent. Now, mm -hmm. maybe at some point your business is going to grow big enough where it doesn't need you to run. And I think that's amazing. And kudos mm -hmm. to you if you can get to that point. But <laughs> while you're building it, you have to be willing to show up to a certain extent because otherwise you're right. There's no point of connection. Right. And that goes to the idea of culture, which I am so excited to talk to you about over on my YouTube channel. We're going to answer a question about culture there. So if you're listening to this podcast, know that if this is the day it launches, we're going to have a video tomorrow about uh, the culture of your business. And it's a really good question. She's going to give some great tips. But that does speak to the idea of culture because when you build a culture for your business, when you start bringing on team members or collaborators or contractors to help you out, it's important to be able to communicate the culture. That's what we're talking about ultimately. When you say you get to a point where you can't really interject as much personally, like you have, you're relying on people. That means that you, to me, I try to teach my clients, create a company culture that stems from your personal experience and connection to your solution. Then when you onboard people, whether it be a virtual assistant or a contractor or of another sort, you can onboard them into that culture and they have an area that they can go back to, to understand what those personal things are, you know, like how you connect to your audience, what your relationship to the solution actually is. And they can then create those tones in the content that they are creating on behalf of you. Yeah. Yeah, because they'll essentially be an extension of yes. you yes. and that will come across in your branding. Exactly. And, that, and they'll be bought in too. Like they will, 
a lot of times I think we think like nobody could care about this as much as yes. I do. Yeah. Okay, false. Like right. actually people could care more than you do. Can you exactly. like if you could wrap your mind around that? Exactly. And so you remember I was telling you about the four courses that I created? <laughs> well, yes. one of them is actually called Leadership Landscape. And it is an intensive for companies who are ready to start onboarding so that they can create their company culture and be able to onboard people. Because you hear about some of my clients who have larger companies are like, okay, I'm ready to start hiring people, but I, the turnover is too high. I can't find quality people. And I said, it's not it's the same to me as marketing. So in marketing, you are trying to attract the right audience to purchase your product. And you are sharing with them how you relate to their challenge and how your solution can help them. That's marketing. When it comes to onboarding people and bringing on maybe virtual assistants as well, it's still a relationship. I want to bring on people who can connect to me and understand and, and thrive in the culture that I've created, right? So I still have to, in some form or or another market or promote my culture to you and what and then make sure that I am sharing it in an audience or a pool of contractors that appreciate that culture right and so then when I go to hire you we've already connected on a level because you probably wouldn't have even applied for the position or even listened to my rant about what I needed if you weren't already on some level connected to the culture that I'm telling you I have and that I've fostered in my business and how much I appreciate you for looking like you fit into that culture. I just have to say one more thing about the cult company culture while we're on this topic. <laughs> um, when you said the high turnover rate, I hear this a lot. And to me, I think that's a red flag, less about the candidates and more about the internal structure. Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. When we get to the, um, so our conversation on YouTube is so amazing. I already know because that's what we're going to dive into that. But absolutely, the leadership landscape is about this because it's about creating the company culture. I talk about personal branding and I'm very, I try to distinguish between a personal brand and personal branding. Personal branding is the verb, is the action behind taking who you are and leveraging it in different areas. And so that's where my project CEO program that I'm launching as it's about teaching people how to create the CEO in themselves, the personal brand for themselves, and then how to will that across every area of their life. So it's not just business, but it's professional. It could be your career. It could be if you are a domestic engineer, as my mother likes to call it, you know, um, if you, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, there are things and 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 areas of that that require you to be the CEO of you. Whether you might be on a PTA, you may be on a board of a charity. You don't have to have a job. You don't have to be um, an entrepreneur. You can just be yourself, but you still need to understand the rules of engagement as it relates to teaching people how to manage, teaching people how to treat you, managing people's expectations. The, C, the project CEO deals with your, your life in an entirety, but what I'm talking about with you and this personal branding for businesses and small businesses, it really does play into the idea of creating a company culture so that you can onboard or creating the personal brand and being able to understand how you need, what you need to do and be your best in mm -hmm. every set of circumstances. And so either way, 
um, what you're saying is true. We have to create an environment that fosters relationship building. Yeah. Regardless. It's kind of like, have you ever heard somebody say like, I was just drawn to you. I was Mm -hmm. just attracted to you. And Mm -hmm. they like can't quite put into words what it is. It's because they've created exactly what you're talking about. It's almost like an energy Mm -hmm. that like you exude this type of feeling. And Mm -hmm. because you exude that, because you're embodying the CEO mindset, people understand like, oh, okay. Like she is a kind person. Mm -hmm. She is caring. She is smart. She's a a mom, an entrepreneur, like all Mm -hmm. these things. And it's not because you've said those things about yourself. It's just (gasps) because like you've exuded them yes, and yes. and shown people and so therefore now they understand like this is how I interact with this person exactly I call it my four R's of conversion you've got a you're building a reputation just based on what you do people are seeing it and that is building real reputation from that reputation people are wanting to have a relationship with you and they are going to reach out they're going to talk to you you're going to build relationships from the relationship, you're going to build rapport. And that's where your loyalty and the commitment is going to come from. Um, I forgot what my other R is. I have to add that into the, the link, the show links below. But there are four R's. And it's like, it's important for us to, to understand who we are. I think getting back to the point of the podcast and where we are, it's, it's important to understand who you are, what you need to do and be your best so that you can teach people how to treat you and manage expectations. That is true, whether you have a business and you are bringing on contractors, virtual assistants, or team members, whether you are in a a career and you're climbing the corporate ladder and you need to navigate, you know, the politics of the office and understanding how to do that to your best ability, or whether you are a parent who is staying at home and you have children that you are taking care of, you are raising your family and creating the structure in your family, and you are doing things outside of the home with like uh, charities or like I said, PTA, it's still important to have these tools. And um, you are just a great example of why it's so important when you're working with anyone, you have to be able to communicate what it is you need from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We could just go on and on. Okay. All right. All right. So here's the next question. So how important do you think authentic connections, organic interactions, and self-awareness are to successfully achieve goals? Ooh, that's a good question. (laughs) I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I feel like authenticity is key to a certain extent. And here's what I mean by this. I think that you need to be true to yourself and your values first and foremost, always, no matter what you're doing in business and in life, because if it's not aligned, it's probably not going to go over well. And only you can answer that question. But I think sometimes in the social media space, I see people get a little too authentic. If you Mm -hmm, know what I mean? mm -hmm. Yes. And so there is, there is something called too much of a good thing. Yes, yes, exactly. So I think you have to tiptoe that line a little bit. And when you're going through like, okay, what are my core values? What do I prioritize? If you're able to answer those questions, it will 
very clearly in the sand, draw those boundary lines for Mm -hmm. you as to, you know, I say this thing, but I don't say this thing. I treat people this way, but I don't treat people this way. Mm -hmm. I believe Mm -hmm. in this, but I don't believe in this. And that will dictate your actions. And I know personally, like anytime that I am, let's say I'm trying to like accomplish a big goal and I'm like, okay, I want to hit this really big milestone in my business. I want to get there by this specific date. I don't know why I set these dates for myself. Like it's all arbitrary, (laughs) but you know, we do that. And a lot of times there'll be things that pop up along the way. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Like this doesn't feel like it's aligned with my core values. And sometimes it's hard to say no to those things. But every time I do, I feel such a sense of relief. And I think that's going back to being like your true authentic self, whatever that that means for who's listening. Yeah. And I'm going to say something too, about what you talked about, like too much of a good thing is not always a good thing. I always tell people that authenticity is about, to me, like what you said, it's about understanding you, right? Knowing what you need to do and be your best. I have something called a personal framework. And I talk about it being your strength, your limitations, your desires, and your non-negotiables. And when you look at things through that lens, like the framework, you are guaranteed to stay in line with your true values, your core beliefs, and your authentic self. And there are times, like you said, you will look at a situation And it looks really good and you feel like you really shouldn't pass it up. When you look through your lens, your personal framework lens, it really makes it so much easier for you to make the decision to say no, because it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's too many of the negative parts. It involves your limitations and you're going to have to struggle or it involves your non-negotiables or it doesn't get you to what it is you want. And so you can say easily, well, this isn't something that I need to be doing. It looks like a good thing, but I'm going to have to work too hard. You know, Dr. Phil said, if you marry for money, you'll earn every penny. If you've ever heard him say that. And that's kind of yes. how I, that's kind of how I feel about operating outside of my personal framework. If I do something that I know is going to stretch me, I'm never going to earn enough money to make me feel good about the stress that it's causing. I'm always going to feel yes. like I've, 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 I've not making enough money. So that's not good. The other thing that I wanted to mention about what you said was um, sometimes too much of you is because you are not managing what I call the volume of your personality. So it's important to know your personality and understand, you know, who you are and how you react to certain things and what your triggers are. But it's also important to understand that your full 10, you know, on 10 personality is not necessary, nor is it appropriate in every situation. So dialing yourself down a little bit does not mean that you are trying to be someone that you're not. It means that you are reading the room and you know how much of yourself is necessary to get the job done. And you don't have to give any more or any less because you know yourself well enough to manage yourself. Yeah. And it goes back kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like your personal branding and saying like, what type of brand do you want to have? Do you want to be the 10? Like maybe mm-hmm. that is your brand. Like mm-hmm. that's your a YouTube personality. And mm-hmm. so that's fitting. Or are you in a business setting? And maybe mm-hmm. you need to be like an eight, like yes, and every now and then exactly. you can be a 10. Exactly. But you know what I mean? Right. And But that's what I'm saying, like understanding or being the CEO of you. That's what Project CEO is about, is really understanding where your limits are and how you stay within those limits, because you you're, you're it's easier to catch, you know, you catch more flies with honey, more bees with honey. Is that what they say? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but you, you're able to get further along where in, in your desires and your goals 
when you are comfortable in your own skin, you're certain about the value you're bringing to the table and you're able to manage yourself in those important situations. Girl, again, got me in a week. We could go on and on. Um, and maybe we will on another day. But for now, I've got a couple more questions and then I'm gonna let you go because girl, I wanna have you back and we still have the whole video that we're gonna do, so. Yes. Okay, so let's move on. All right, so the name of my podcast is the CEO Mindset Podcast, which we talked about earlier. And it stands for constantly evolving and being open to failing forward. Now, I wanna know, and so do my listeners, how do you constantly evolve how have you failed forward? And what are a few of the best lessons you've learned along the way? Oh, goodness. Okay, let's get into it. Um, <laughs> okay, how have I constantly evolved? I, for me personally, I am a, a nerd, in, in case you can't tell. So <laughs> I love to learn. I am always listening to podcasts. That's typically what's on my phone. I don't like listen to a lot of music in the car. I'd rather either sit in silence and think or listen to podcasts. I know I'm a weirdo. Um, I also <laughs> love to read and I don't do as much like physical books anymore. I do a lot more audiobooks now because, you know, mom life, but mm -hmm. Those two places. And I love a good course. My husband like puts a cap on how many courses I'm allowed to buy because I would buy them all and learn them all. But <laughs> yes, that those are like my three things. And so for me personally, I think like knowledge is power. And especially in this day and age, there's just an abundance of knowledge. And you have to toe that line carefully because sometimes it's overwhelming and it's too much. So I select who I follow and who I decide to take my knowledge from very, very picky about that. So I'm like, I'm just going to pay attention to these three people. I feel like they've, you know, trailblazed a path before mm -hmm. me and I'm just going to like hop on their tail feathers basically and mm -hmm. do what they did. And so that's kind of how like I constantly evolve. Um, I also am very rooted in gratitude and I really believe mm -hmm. in like a balanced whole life. I preach about this a lot on like my own platform, but I think it's really important. Like giving yourself permission to like sit on the couch for 30 minutes and do nothing is also productive. And mm -hmm. so I really had to kind of build out like, what does my own happiness entail? Like, what are things that I want to do? Not like what society is telling me to do, but like, what oh, I actually enjoy doing and then building my life around those things so that I can succeed in all the areas. So that's kind of how I continue to adapt. I love it. I love it. You are preaching the project CEO language, girl. You are pulling stuff out of the playbook. I gotcha, right. I love it. Okay, well, I Keep need to play. How do you fail forward? How do I fail forward? Well, I basically fail all the time in many <laughs> embarrassing ways that probably nobody ever sees or hears about. Um, but it happens frequently. And I can give you an example. We actually, when you're talking about turnover, so we have on our agency, we have uh, 17 people on staff, which sounds crazy sometimes when I say it out loud, because I'm like, wow, that's a lot of people, but to other people, maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, and so we had some recent turnover lately, actually. And this was a very big, like aha moment to me that I was like, oh, when you're talking about company culture, I was like, wait a second, let's hit the pause button. Let's Yes, we're going to continue to serve our clients well, but like we need to do some serious internal work here. And I think it's being able to recognize those really big moments. It's like, this is a really hard season. Like, yes, I have anxiety and I am stressed, but this is happening 
for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always say like hindsight is twenty twenty, And so looking back, like the beginning of this year was a very hard season of business for us, just being completely transparent. But I'm so thankful for it because it made me a better leader, a sharper leader. We have better systems in place. We're able to serve our clients better. And our team could not be like stronger and happier than they've ever been. And so, yeah, that's an example of how I fell forward. I a lot of that. times it's just a roller coaster. It is. Honest. <laughs> and the thing, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that what you're saying is so valuable because people think that it's, it's, it looks so easy, right? Because you, you're successful and you're on a podcast and you're talking as an expert on this subject matter. And so it's easy to believe, well, well, Amanda's got it all together. Like, how can I learn anything from her? Because she's already got it together. And I'm just this lowly person over here, just struggling to get started. And I'm afraid to even take the first step. But listen, if you're listening to this, Amanda just told you, even though she has 17 people, there are still lessons that she is learning and there is still anxiety that she is feeling because of a growth. And like you said, it's happening for you on your behalf. The struggle is for you on your behalf. It's not always a bad thing. And so failure, again, is not a bad thing. It's your first attempt at learning or it is informing your next move. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. Okay. So last question. So what are the lessons? What is what is what are a few lessons that you learned? from constantly evolving and being open to failure. You could just give us one or two. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that I have to focus, and this is going to sound very selfish, on me first. No, it's not selfish. It's true. And if I can be at 110%, then everything else is going to be fine. But if I slip, then everything else slips. And so this is really hard. I think especially as women, especially as business owners, and especially as parents, we like to put everybody else first. We're like, no, it's fine. Like I won't wash my hair today, or I'm not going to work out, or I'm just going to run through the drive-thru. Like there's a thousand tiny little things. But if you're like, no, I need to hold this boundary. I need to take the extra 10 minutes and do this. It kind of sets everything else up to fall into place. And this, I typically see this happen when our schedules get really busy and things Mm kind of feel chaotic Mm -hmm. and out of hand and just all over the place. And sometimes we just almost need to like hit the reset button, Mm -hmm. like clear the calendar, say no to things that aren't serving you and be like, what do I need in this season Absolutely, and do that first? I think that's the biggest lesson and I'm still learning it. So I'm not perfect. (laughs) It's it's all in the playbook, girl. See project CEO. It's all in there. I am so thankful that you were on the podcast today. I think we have learned so much from you and I cannot wait to talk to you off the recording because there's so much I want to say and ask, but Is there anything else that you have on your plate? Is there anything that you want the listeners to know? Maybe there's um, a lead magnet or something that you can, they can grab to maybe help them. Or is there anything that we can point them to for you? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And you are a wealth of knowledge. So I am just like honored to be in your presence. Oh, thank you. I would really, I mean... I would invite them to come check out our community. We have a podcast as well. It's called the Millennial Mom Movement. And we talk about very similar themes to what we went over in this conversation today. So if you're wanting to like get started and to just dive into some free content, I feel like that's a really good place to start. Awesome. We will make sure that we put that in the show notes. And if 
you know, a shameless plug here. If you ever need someone like me on your podcast, yes! I'd be happy to come on and talk to you because I've so enjoyed you so much. Um, yes, um, you should. I will send you an email. <laughs> all right. All right, guys, if you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I have, go ahead and leave it a review. If you are listening to it on any podcast platform, you can find the CEO Mindset Podcast and let us know what you think. Ask us questions, um, but definitely check out the show notes because I'm going to put everything Amanda Rush down there that I can find. And you'll also have access to get on my email list for the Search for Success Challenge where I'm going to help you. I'm going to share you clues on how you can find your own personal blueprint, your authentic blueprint, because I feel like that is how you can create those success strategies that we've been talking about, not just for business, but for your career, for just life in general. This blueprint that I'm going to help you find throughout the success is what you want. So get on my email list to learn more about that. Amanda's podcast link will be down below as well. But until next week, guys, continue or constantly evolve and be open to those failures because they make you better. They really do make you better and they help to inform you of your next attempt. And you need that because you failed the first time. So we want to get it right the next time. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And um, we'll be back again next week. That does it for today's episode of the CEO Mindset Podcast. Remember, this is the place to be to find the intersection between your personal life and your business life so that they coexist. It's also where you learn how to consistently evolve and be open to the failures that happen, be open to the opportunities, be open to the opportunity for change. Make sure you are subscribed. Leave your comments below about today's episode if you have any questions, comments, I want to hear all about them and I want to hear how you are using what you hear to grow your business, live the life you love and have that quality of life that we are all looking to achieve. All right, guys, don't forget to follow me over on Instagram, AF Patrick. Definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel, Andrea Patrick Official. All the links that you need to continue following and being a part of the BU Boss Squad community is listed in the show notes along with any other links that I think might be amazing for this particular podcast. Remember, we are on all the podcast uh, platforms. So if you have not already, find us and subscribe. See you again next week.